Good afternoon, everyone. You know, I'm always inspired by special music. And if you don't mind, I think I'll just go ahead and sing my sermon. <laughs> it may sound awful, but at least I'll get the point over. Now, they put these lights up here for me. They wanted me to look better. So I asked my wife, how did I look? She said, awful. But they really put these lights up here because they asked me what I was going to speak on today. And I said, let my light shine. So there it is. I don't have to say anything. I'm going to stand here and let it shine. <laughs> have you ever had a feeling that someone was looking down on you? I'm used to looking down on others. And now I know how you feel. Looking down. I heard this story about this traveling salesman. Of course, in the South, you get a lot of jokes about traveling salesmen. Anyway, he was driving out in the country, and he saw this farmer in the middle of his field, this grassy field, just standing there. And he watched this farmer. He kept looking at the farmer. The farmer didn't move. He was like he was mesmerized, just standing there. So the salesman got out of his car, walked to the field, in the field, and asked the farmer, he said, do you need any help? He said, no. He said, I'm trying to win a Nobel Prize. He said, how? He said, they always give them to the man who's outstanding in his field. <laughs> you know, it's always a pleasure be with God's people when you get to thinking about the Sabbath day and our hectic week we go through. It's a pleasure to come together on God's Sabbath day to find rest. And you do find rest wherever God's presence is. And, of course, God's presence is here with us this afternoon. And I know all of us realize that we serve a great God, a God of all power, as we heard in the sermonette, a God who brought into existence this whole universe. By his power. And nobody understands exactly how he, came, uh, he did that, except by the power of God. Now, he's given us a little power, a power to become a Christian, so that we can overcome this world out there that's blinded. They have no idea who God is. They have no idea who God, uh, his purpose for man is. I mean, the most intelligent men in the world don't know what you know. And God has given that to you. He's made that known to you so you can understand your purpose, why you were called, why you were chosen. And God wants you to understand that as well. So if you turn with me in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew 13. In verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? See. He answered them and said, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So it is something that's given, the hidden truth of God's power, of God's message, of the kingdom of God. Now the key is, how do we get there? We've started on the path. Now how do we end up? So that is going to be probably answered in this sermon as we go along. But he's given us the hidden truth. 
Now, the church of God is like a treasure where you have to dig out the truth. And the more you dig out the truth, the more you understand the path that you're on to the kingdom of God. And who's the one that's leading us on that path to the Father, who is the Father of all of us, begotten by Him. Now, He said uh, in verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So you hear things, you see things that nobody else can see or hear. Have you ever tried to show that to somebody? Well, look, it's just plain as day. It's what the Bible says. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. How about this? How about that? You try to show it to somebody, even somebody in your own family, they can't understand it. And you wonder why. Well, it hasn't been given to them yet to understand. God has given that understanding to us so we can be a part of his family. We didn't deserve anything. We realized we were sinners. We were not looking for God. But God came looking for us, see. So after we're baptized and receive God's Spirit, then we have to begin to seek God. And then all we seek Him on this path of life to the kingdom of God, as God has called us to be on. So He said, we have blessed eyes and blessed, blessed ears. Verse 17, for surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So that's how blessed we are, and brethren, we can take all that for granted. We can let it become old hat. We can let the world take it away from us, unless we fight for it. And it's a struggle to be a Christian. It's not easy to be a Christian to come out of this world of darkness. And this world is in complete spiritual darkness out there. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in darkness. I have. I know what it's like when you can't see. Now, you can hear, but you can't see. My wife and I had the pleasure of one time going to Carlsbad Cavering, and uh, the guide took us all in a uh, tour guide, took us deep into that uh, uh, cavern, and he asked everybody halfway down to sit down. So we sat down on the steps, rock steps. He turned the lights off, and you couldn't see anything. Then he said, uh, wave your hand before your face. You cannot see it. You couldn't see anything at all. Now, my wife could have slapped me, and I never would have known who hit me. That's how dark it was. But I got to thinking, how could we get out if we didn't have a guide or didn't have a light? I knew as long as there were light, that we had a guide that could lead us out of that darkness into light. And you know what a light is. It's always up front. So you follow the light. And you have to have somebody shining a light, or you, you have to shine the light. So that's the way the world is. It's in complete darkness, spiritually speaking. They don't have any understanding. So they need somebody who has the, is a guide and with a light to lead them out of this darkness. They can't come out without, we know, without the light. So that's why that God has called us, in essence, that we may learn, that we may learn to be lights, that we can lead people out of darkness 
toward the kingdom of God. And that's our challenge. That's our job. So we understand that. So the title of this sermon is The True Light, Which to Build On. Now, you cannot build a building in darkness. Have you ever seen a building built in darkness? It has to have light. You have to see what you're doing, you know, to build a building. Now, we ask ourselves today, well, where is that light? Who has the light that shines in the hearts of men that are completely cut off from God? Whose responsibility is that? Whom do, did God give that light to and that responsibility to? See? Well, he gave it to us. He gave it to his church. You know, the church of God. He gave that to them. Let me give an example found in the book of Acts. Apostle Paul's example when he standing before King Agrippa and he was explaining to him about his calling, how that he was called, what he was before he was called, what he was doing before he was called. And as he was making his case before King Agrippa, that's Acts 26, verse 9. Acts 26, verse 9. He asked King Agrippa, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? See, why do you think that's incredible? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison. And having received authority from the chief priests, And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. You see, Paul was completely, or Saul at this time, in the dark. He had no idea what was going to happen to him. His mission was to persecute the Christians, to destroy the name of Jesus Christ. The only one, the only light, and he was trying to put it out. He did his best to put it out. In verse 11, And I punish them often in every synagogue and compel them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to the foreign cities. He never gave up. He had zeal to do that that job. Now, how would you like to be under somebody like that? Would you follow somebody like that? All of a sudden he came out, I'm your apostle. I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. You think about that today in our Protestant world, that we tend to, you know, find fault with ministers. But look at the Apostle Paul, what he said he had done and persecuted. But he did it ignorantly, ignorantly in unbelief. He didn't understand God's way at that time. Now, verse 12, while they occupied, while thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus, with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven. See, from heaven, there was a light shining around me, those who journeyed with me. And when he had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? He didn't know who he was. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. And Jesus was introducing himself. I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. 
See, you're persecuting my people. You're ruining, trying to ruin my name. See. Now, verse 16, and this was the command to Paul, but rise and stand on your feet, or I have appeared to you for this purpose. So he was making known the purpose of why he was being called, why he saw the light. See, This would be his purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. So it had come time then that God was going to call the Gentiles who was in complete darkness. But they had to have a light see, to transfer them out of the darkness into the light so they could see the light or God's word we would say and that was the purpose of the apostle Paul being called that he was going to be a light to the Gentiles as well that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me and we all have to see receive the light to really know what sin is to know what we are. If we don't receive the light, it's hard to be conquered by God and His Word. We have to understand through that light, through the ministry that Jesus has chosen to be the light to lead us out of darkness and show us a path to the kingdom of God as we're all on that journey as well. Now, God is light and God is life. Satan is the god of this world, the god of darkness and god of death. See, he's the god of that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, I think most of you know it by heart, but if you just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, and it is veiled to those who are perishing... Are being lost, you see. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest they, the light of the, of the gospel of the glory of Jesus, who is the image of God, should shine in them. And that's what I believe that we're doing of the church of God. We have the gospel of light. We're preaching that gospel of light to all people. See, to all people, showing them the way out if they want it. Now, Mr. Meredith, in his fine lecture last Sunday, he made mention of a great earthquake. I think those of you who were here heard that. He quoted from Luke, great earthquake. Now, he didn't predict it would be that soon. (laughs) But you see, it caught them unaware there. And it can happen suddenly, quickly. He used Thessalonians chapter 5, sudden destruction. And brethren, are we prepared for anything like that? See, What will we do? Are we prepared for it? Even though we hear it. Even though we think about it. But are we prepared? Now, we've had the light to shine on us. We know what to do. But it's up to us to do it. See? And if we don't do it, we can't blame anybody else. Now, Mr. Meredith, he's uh, 
He's 49 years old. I always say that because I need a raise. <laughs> but you heard what Mr. Ames said, the work he does, the determination he does. And he's zealous in doing that work in preaching this light to the people, writing this to the people, showing them the path, if they will accept it, to the kingdom of God, a way out of this dark, dismal world of darkness that we all live in. But we're coming out gradually. See, We still have maybe a few dark spots in our character that we need to think about and ask God for the light so we can come out completely of darkness into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. Then Paul said, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants. For Jesus' sake, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the more light we have, the more we understand Christ. We understand who he is. We really understand what he did for us. But we have to come out of darkness to understand that because he is the light. He is the way. He is guiding us on this path to the kingdom of God, to the family of God. We follow that light. As long as we follow him or that light, then we will be in God's kingdom. So each Sabbath, we get a little bit a more understanding of ourselves and what we need to do. The light sometimes shines on us or in us. It shows us what we are. And sometimes we fight it. We don't like it. We're afraid to, no, we're afraid to confess. We're afraid. But we shouldn't be afraid of the light. We should come out of darkness, see, of that light. And so God here, as Paul was showing, that he was used to be a light to the Gentiles, to lead them out of power of darkness. And darkness is a power. Now, you know yourself, when you're in complete darkness in the house, you, you know, you're trying to maybe go to the bathroom. You, you over here, you, you hit your leg on the bed. And, you know, not long ago, I ran into the wall. <laughs> my, wife, my wife screamed. She thought I'd kill myself or something. But you don't know where you're going. That's the key, even though you may be familiar with your own house. When the light's off and you just wake up, it takes a little time to see, you know, your eyes to adjust. In those situations. Now, John chapter 8, Jesus brings out more information about Satan, who's the God of darkness and God of death. Satan came that we may have death and have it more abundantly. Jesus came that we may have life, you see. Have that life and have it more abundantly. So that's what Satan offers. In verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have light of life. As long as we're faithful to the calling, to the word of God, to that light, we're not, we will not stumble. That's what he promises us. We don't stumble in, in the light, but it's what he said. 
that if we followed him, then he will, you know, then he will guide us all the way. In verse 31 of John chapter 8, verse 31 of John 8, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You are my students. You are my followers. I will leave you out of that cavern, see. If you follow me, if you follow my word, which is light, then he will lead us. In verse 32, and you shall know the truth. You know, you shall know the truth. You don't get all the truth at once. Not one sermon can save you. Not one article can save you. You need it every week as a reminder. You know, the stress, the pressure of this dark world that you're working in, but not part of it. I was just thinking about coming over here this this afternoon on Independence Boulevard. It's just bumper to bumper cars. You don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. They're mesmerized, you know. They have no personality. They just cut in and out, you know, trying to get get one car ahead of you. They have no idea at all the purpose of human beings. Nothing. Their hope is in the world, in that darkness, stumbling around, trying to find some kind of happiness, something that would satisfy them. And they can't find it without a minister that can teach them to come out of darkness. And that'll be our job in the next world, where Jesus will be the light for a thousand years. That'll be witnessed to when the earth shall be full of the knowledge of God as waters that cover the sea. And it starts in Jerusalem by the apostles. It's like a grain of mustard seed. And this keeps growing and growing and growing. Our job now is doing the same thing. But you see, when Jesus returns in great power and light, and we will be a light to the rest of the world at that time and finish what Jesus Christ wanted us to do, to bring everybody into the Father's family. And that, that's his job. That's his responsibility as well. Now, when the Jews were rejecting the Pharisees, now this is what he said in John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil. See? Now, that's strong language, isn't it? The devil is your father. You are in total darkness. He is the God of this world. He's the God of darkness. And the desires of your father you want to do. Now, Satan wanted to kill Christ. That was his goal, was to kill Jesus Christ. And he finally succeeded, you know, at the, at the Passover when Judas betrayed uh, Satan in him, betrayed, betrayed him, and he was put to death. And, you, and that's what the world wants to do. They want to kill the scriptures. They want to kill the Christians. They don't want to follow the light or the true light of Jesus Christ. And all through the scriptures, you see people have called, who've been called have been persecuted. And we will be persecuted until the end, until everybody sees the light, you see, in the scriptures. So he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Now, the whole world is founded on a lie. 
And we've all lied. We've all lived a life of lies until we found the truth. God showed us the truth. I grew up believing a lie. See, I was told, you know, that if I'd be good, I'd be rewarded. You know, you always got to be good. Got to be good. Protect our name. You're handsome. You're pretty. You know, you're so on. And, and you say, am I pretty? Then if you were to tell the truth, you know what would happen. <laughs> so, so people... I'd rather be, you know, lied or flattered, we would say. But that's whole, the world is that way. And it'll change one day, you know, when the light truly shines. So they didn't, Pharisees did not believe that he was the Messiah at all. In John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, of the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made. In Him was life, and the life was the, the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there are many billions of people can hear what we're seeing on television articles that do not comprehend, cannot understand at all what is being said. And they can't unless they receive that light see, and begin to see that they need to make some changes in their own hearts and minds. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came to the, for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And that was the true light, which gives light to every man that's coming into the world. Now, what is our job then? What did God commission the apostles to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 7? Go into all the world, see, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, as a witness that Jesus Christ is alive with all power at the right hand of God, who is the light that can shine in our hearts to bring us right to the Father. And that's the only way we can get to the Father is follow Christ, because we don't know how, except through Jesus Christ. At John chapter 8, verse 12, John 8, verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that couldn't be any plainer to those of us who understand. If we follow Jesus Christ, live by his word, as he said, man shall live by every word of God. If we live by that word, we are guaranteed life. And I know you feel inside you're alive, see, that you are alive inside, and you're happy. And the more you obey that, that word of God, the happier you are, because you're beginning to walk away from problems, stress, and pressures. You're learning more how to handle stress and pressures because of walking away 
out of the world that causes these things. We understand, brethren, it's not God that causes us heartaches, a lot of stress. It's Satan, the devil, and darkness. We don't know where we're going. And as soon as we receive the power of God, as, as Mr. Meredith has said about healings, then we will see then that that power does not come from this world. The power comes from Christ in His name to glorify His Father who has sent Him for that purpose, to heal the sick, the blind. That's His purpose. To glorify His Father, to reveal His Father, to shine light on His Father. See, we never knew the Father. I never did know the Father. No one ever talked about the Father, who He was. It was just Jesus Christ. See, as far as I got in the Protestant churches, because they didn't know the Father was. But God, Christ is revealing more and more to us who the Father is. You know? Now, I used to pray our Father, but I didn't know Him. But I'm learning more about Him as I follow Christ as He leads me out of darkness. Who He is. And I think you feel the same. That you know more about the Father, His plan for you. Christ is part of that plan. He's the guide. He's the light that we follow. All the way into the kingdom of God. See? And what an honor that is, brethren. Only a few understand that. Only a few of us in, in the world understand the calling. This tremendous way out, if we will take it. Of course, the darkness appeals. As well, that all appeals to the human flesh because they can't see. So we walk in the light or we live in the light or in the truth. That's why we study the scriptures. Not only do we study, we have to live those scriptures. I can read them all I want to, but if I don't inculcate that into my mind, I will never know what they really mean. So we have to live the scriptures. We have to extract these words off this page here and put them into our personalities. And we prove whether or not they're right if we're following the right source. So that's very important, you know, that people can understand out in the world as we take the gospel of the light to them, of the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 5... Verse 14, you are the salt of the earth. Well, that's, well, anyway, that's good read. Verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Then verse 14, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, we could say that could be the household of God. See, we're not hiding our light. We give light to all in the household of God. We all like to talk about God. We all like to share iron sharpens iron. We love that, to talk to each other about God and His Word. 
But what we have to be careful that we don't add anything to that word or take anything away from that word. See? If we're in the light, we will follow that word, the word of Christ. You see? And we are that light to shine. Now, if you live in a household, if you live in a household, maybe some children weren't converted or maybe one of the mates, it's tough. But we are to give the light to each other and help each other, hold hands with each other and walk down that path of life until we accomplish what Christ has called us to do, been given to do. So he said, let it shine before men, verse 16, that they may see your good works. And Mr. Ames gave that sermon on sowing, you know, the seed and it's reaping time that's coming on good works. And glorify your Father in heaven, even though they can't see the Father. Now, we revealed also to the Father, Christ living in us, things that we do that glorifies the Father. And healing glorifies the Father. When when you're healed, and we heard the good news about Mr. Pyle being healed, that is going to glorify the Father through Christ. See? And understanding. And I think we all appreciate and honor whatever God does for us. You can't hold it back. You want to tell somebody about it. What God has done when you're in that glorious light. Now, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, I grew up believing that Jesus did do that. He did away with the light. See? You know, the commandments is a light, Paul uh, David said, to my pathway. Proverbs talks about the light, commandments. But see, I was told, remain in the dark. You don't have to obey the Ten Commandments. It's done away with. You don't have to keep that old Jewish Sabbath. It's done away with. And that's the only day that you really are in the light, when you think about it. And we'll come together in the presence of God to be taught by Him. But I was told to stay in the dark. Don't come to the light. Be miserable. Break the Ten Commandments. It's like someone saying, jump off that balcony, it makes you feel good. It does until you hit the bottom. It makes you feel good. So people is groping out in the dark. And we've got brethren going back to the darkness. See? Back to the darkness. Out of the light. Off the path of life to the path of death. Now how do we get them back on that path of life? See? They've left a very foundation that was laid. And Mr. Armstrong laid that foundation Christ revealed to Mr. Armstrong that way, the mystery of the ages, the purpose of man, the holy days. He revealed that. And he taught others. Like Mr. Meredith, who's one of the original, original students. Or maybe the second original. But he was taught, see, to 
carry on that light. He wanted to train men to give them the knowledge that he had received. And don't deviate from it. Don't get off the path of life. You see, stay with that foundation. Build that foundation. Build that house see, on that foundation. And you have to have the light to see. As Christ has pointed out to us many, many times, you know, in the scriptures. So let me just turn to Psalms 119. And just to show you, they said, I didn't come to do away, you know, with the law. Psalms 119, 105. When we get something lawful, it's a tremendous blessing. When we get something lawful and within the law of God. And God wants us to be productive. He wants us to have good things. He wants us to have the quality of life. He doesn't, he's not calling people to put them in poverty. I have never seen anybody on the street with a tin cup in his hand begging for money that obeys God. Look how that would look. When he owns everything. And he would forsake somebody who's following him. God can take care of us. And Jesus promised us if we seek first the kingdom of God, we stay on that path, then he guarantees us food, clothing, and shelter. He guarantees that. And we don't have to worry about anything. I was talking to a man the other day. He said, you know, if I start keeping the Sabbath, I'll probably lose my job. I said, so what? <laughs> What's the big deal? You know, even if you work, you can still be fired. God could fire you. See, if God were to fire you, he has a better job for you. Something better. See, he doesn't punish us for obeying. It's the world that does it. That punishes us. For, keeps us in the dark. Not long ago, I was talking to this lady. She said, well, I can't... Uh, my boss won't let me off for the Sabbath. I said, is that right? said, yes. I said, what if your boss were to tell you to commit adultery to keep that job? Would you do it? He said, well, absolutely not. I said, what if your boss told you to go out and stand, uh, steal $10,000? Would you do it? Well, absolutely not. But you see, the Sabbath day, the light is what people are afraid of. The very day that God rests in. That creates, guarantees us, if we obey Him, we're conquered by Him, food, clothing, and shelter. What, what more do we need? Food, clothing, and shelter. If we're taken to the place of safety, is He going to, we may have to leave cars, houses. No telling what we may have to leave and follow Him. Is He taking us place to punish us for what we've done or to reward us? From what we have done for him. And brethren, that's what our ministers, our evangelists are trying to get us to understand. We've got to lift up our minds, our, elevate ourselves. Who this God is. How powerful he is. And not be afraid of him. We can do all things through him. See, through him. Who strengthens us. Now, some of us will be going through severe trials between now and Passover. But you need to be confident 
that you'll be at Passover, partaking of the symbols, faith in those symbols, putting into practice all year those symbols. You know, a foot washing type attitude all year. Realizing the broken body of Christ all the year and the shed blood all the year. We put our faith in those symbols as well as we take the Passover that's coming up. But we, Satan will not want us to do it. He'll do everything in his power to keep us from doing that. But he is defeated by Christ. Christ has already won the victory over him. And if we follow Christ, we have the victory. Because he's the light that shines in the dark places and shows us the danger, the pitfalls that could, you know, that could happen. So 105, it, uh, 119, your word is a lamp to my feet. It shows me the way to go and the way not to go. See? Now I can choose, can I? <clears throat> I can go, it shows me the way to go or way not to go. If I go the other way, I get off the path. The path of life or the path of light. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See? To my path, the path of life that we're on. Every day, we have to stay on that path and not get off of it. For our protection, for our good, for our health, for our sanity... You stand on that path of life as Jesus has called us. So how blessed we are to know that truth, that path of life. Brethren, never take that for granted. Never quit following Christ who will lead you into the kingdom of God through his ministry. And listen to his ministry. Listen to them. Back them up. And you will be led into the kingdom of God. If they get off track, Christ will handle that. It's not our problem. Our problem is to stay on the path of life. Now, Jesus asked his apostles two very important questions. They're found in Matthew chapter 16. All the questions were important. But these are very important to all of us as well. In verse 13, when Jesus came, Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, that was a peculiar question in a way. What are people saying about me? Who am I? And you hear people say, what about the living church of God? Who are they? See? Who are they? What do they believe in? Some say this. Some say that. Some have this idea. Some believe we teach this. Some say we're a cult. You see, we're no idea at all of what it is. So Jesus wanted to know what the men are saying. And uh, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, Others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. They had no idea. They were in darkness. See? Apparently, they did, they did believe in the resurrection because they had to be resurrected if they thought one of them was, was Jesus or the Messiah. Then he asked this question. 
to the apostles. He said, but who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And the answer is really something that was given here. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Without any hesitation. I know who you are. Then Christ answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So the Father had revealed to the apostles who Christ was. Now Christ was sure that he was ready to build his church. See? Ready to build the church. Because now the Father had revealed to the apostles who the apostles who he was. Now, we cannot reveal, uh, you know, God. God has to reveal to us. He has to use us, you know, and he reveals through his word who he is. And, and we are called. But it takes a preacher. It takes a minister to preach that message so people can understand. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, you know, which is uh, Petra. You know, Christ is speaking of himself. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so the darkness will not ever, ever, ever overtake the church of God. Christ is building a church on that foundation. And that's why they say the true light in which to build on. We have to have the true light in which to build on. Christ said we are to live by every word. We are to build on that foundation by His Word, our character. And Christ builds with the finest material of gold and silver, precious metals, finest material. And when we are finished products, we may look a little ugly right now, but when we are finished, we'll be full sons of God with great power and glory. When it's finished... Now, they're building houses all around where I live, and they're ugly. You know, I haven't seen a beautiful foundation yet. You know, they're ugly until the finished product. So it takes patience to build. Christ is very patient. Now, what are we building on that foundation? What are we doing? What are we building? How are we building? Are we building something that will stand? See? That will stand against the rain and the floods and the wind. As we read back here in, uh, where is that? Acts 16. Not 16, but uh, 7. Matthew chapter 7. After he finished, you know, his sermon, so-called Sermon on the Mount. Verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, Christ is that rock. He is the builder of the church. See, the builder. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew. And beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. 
Some of the rain and the floods and all that point out the weakness in the house. You know, if your roof is going to leak, you better do something about it, hadn't you? Or are you going to wait for the next rain? Then you fail to do anything about the next rain. And finally, that house is going to crumble. It'll rot from inside. You have to repair the house. So God gives us tests, suffering, to point out our weaknesses so we can build with that precious metal of gold and silver, jewels, not with wood, not with chaff. See, we have to purge ourselves of all of that to be a vessel of honor that honors God and His glory and His power that we read about in Revelation 21, the finest of the temple. It's the finest material, metals, that's put together. And that's what God is doing for His house, the building. The finest material. Now, there will be some probably who just stay with wood and chaff or just hang on or just go to church without really building or being built into that household of God. So we have to think about that as time goes on. You know, or how much of darkness is still in us, how much we need to come out. And I think all of us have a little darkness in us. I'm not perfect yet. Close. <laughs> About that far. But he's, he's showing here of the two houses. He picked up the two trees also that bear fruit. Mr. Armstrong always talked about the two trees in the Garden of Eden. See, always the two trees. And people would turn him off. I've heard those two trees. I wish he'd get off those two trees. I'm sick of those two trees. See. And Christ used the two trees in this sermon here on the mount, one of the false prophets and one of the true teachers. Do you know who the true teachers are? The true prophets of God from the word of God. Do you know who they are? Do you believe they're preaching to you the way of life? For you to get into the kingdom of God, to come out of the darkness into the light? Brethren, we have to believe that. They're God's chosen servants. We have to believe it with all of our being. That God is using His church or His servants to teach us how to be born into the family of God. Then it goes on and shows here in verse 26, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand because he's not doing it the way God said to do it, the way Christ said. He's using some other way to build a house. It's a house, all right, but it's not built on the rock. His way or her way. And it won't stand, see. Anything that's of this physical Age will not stand. Look how many houses were lost over there in Japan. Or tornadoes. They won't stand. Anything built on the knowledge of this world will not stand. You cannot mix the knowledge of the world with the knowledge of God. We live by every word of God. See? We build on that word. We live that word. We teach that word. Which is our light. So if we try to inculcate worldly knowledge into the building of God's church, it's not going to stand. Just like this world is not going to stand. 
It's not built on knowledge of God. It's built on Satan's knowledge. And it will not stand. And we know it's not going to stand. But the world that is coming will be built on God's knowledge. And people will see the difference of what it's like to obey God versus the 6,000 years of in the darkness. So if we hear God's word, if we hear those saying, if we don't do them, we just forget who we are. Just like we never heard it. We forget who we are. And we go back and make the same mistakes over and over and over and over, and we wonder why. Well, the reason is that God's word is not setting us free. I don't tell how many people I've counseled, you know, in my ministry. And it's the same thing over and over and over for years. They cannot see what you're trying to help them to see. They don't want to put it into practice. They're afraid of it instead of being set free. So if we hear the words, if we hear the counseling, and we don't do anything about it, we remain the same as we, as we, used, as we are. We still remain in that darkness. And to come out of that darkness, you see, we have to obey what the minister is telling us to do. Because he's representing light of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't believe he said we build this house upon philosophy, psychology. See, I think he's talking about they have their place. I don't mean it in the church. See, the building in the church is built on God's word and truth. It answers all questions, solves all problems if we just obey it, put it into practice. No matter what phobia we may have. What fear? God's word is greater and more powerful than any fear of Satan or his demons or demons or ghosts or anything of that nature. So the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew. Verse 27 beat on the ha- that house and it fell and great was its fall. See. I think we've seen some of that in our lifetime, worldwide, was a, they failed, didn't they? It was a tremendous fall. They introduced something into the knowledge that was not the foundation. They didn't follow the teachings of the man who was chosen to give light. And so they chose a different way. Now, I'm not condemning anybody for that because people were left confused, didn't know what to do. But to show you how if something is not built on God's word, it's going to fail. It's the light following Christ that takes us into the kingdom of God. That's the only way. There's no other way. He said, I am the way. John 14, verse 6. And the life. See, and the truth. He's the way. There's no other way. And you could preach all day about others, but he is the way, the way of life. As God has called us, you know, out of darkness into the light and understand that we have to build on that foundation. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2, verse 19 
Now, therefore, Ephesians 2, verse 19, Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, talking about the Gentiles, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. See, this household that God is building. Now, you're members of it. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. So we go by what the prophets say about Christ, the apostles. We keep building on that. See, and who was one that taught all of us practically? Was Mr. Armstrong. And those who he, whom he taught, you learned it, learned that that way. I mean, last Sunday, I think uh, I met an individual, said he heard Mr. Armstrong when he was uh, just a teenager. Radio Church of God. He said, I heard him back then. He was just tickled to death again to find the truth, to hear the truth. See. So we're built on that foundation, and we must build the building. The building has to be built on that foundation. Now, Mr. Meredith, uh, he's carrying on what Mr. Armstrong taught him. He will receive a war- reward if we stand. See? He'll receive a reward if he keeps building on that. And we will receive a reward because every man's work is going to be tried by fire. The day will declare it. Will it stand when the rain comes? Will it stand? And I believe with all of my being, and, uh, and I've been around for a long time, that we have the finest group of people now that's together, that's together, that's unified, that wants to do God's work. And with that unity and that desire and that faith to get behind, get behind that work and pray for man, you know, for our, our leaders, that you're going to see tremendous power growth. On the horizon. We're set for it. We have peace here. We have excitement. You see our little kids uh, came in this this afternoon. And we were talking the other night about using kids. And this little girl had a stack of uh, books. And she's just running, running up those stairs, see. To pass out those books. They're excited. They They feel a part of it. We make them feel a part of it. We want them to feel a part of it. We want everybody to feel a part of the body of Christ. You're all important. We're all important. We're all together. It's a matter of staying in the light. Helping each other. Backing each other. In those areas that God has called us to. So if you've been put into the church of God... That's because you've repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and making your exodus out of this world in His fads. See? If we've been put into the body of Christ. We're making our exodus out of Egypt and toward the promised land. And God has called us, you know, to become kings and priests. And so the fads of this world, we don't copy the fads. We copy Christ. He's our teacher and our leader as he reveals himself more and more to us and to his father. 
Now, if we've been put into that body, that means we've all speak the same thing, doesn't it? Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 1, how they got into trouble. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, there again by the authority of Christ, that you all speak the same thing, see, that we all speak what Christ, what the Bible says, built upon the apostles and the prophets and Christ, the chief cornerstone. We speak that we don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away from it. Every word of God is pure, as we heard sermon a couple of, two or three weeks ago. God's word is pure. It's been tested. It stands the test of time. Man has tried to destroy that word for the past 6,000 years. He's not able to do it. See? Not able to do it. That you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you but that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. And we're all learning from our teachers to teach what we've been taught. And we don't deviate from that, from what we've been taught. We pass on what we've been taught to others. We train them to be teachers as well, to teach what they're taught. And that's why you have the living university, you see, to teach what you're taught for the young students. And we cannot deviate from that. So the mind in us is the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you as in the mind of Christ. So we all speak the same thing. There's no division. And Paul was trying to show, look, I am nothing. Apollos is nothing. Peter is nothing. It's Christ. Don't choose me. I didn't die for you. Don't choose Apollos because he may be a better looking or better speaker. I didn't, he didn't die for you. Peter didn't die for you. It's Christ. It's Christ who did it. Paul didn't point people to him. He pointed them to Christ. Mr. Merritt doesn't point people to him. He points them to Christ or Mr. Ames. On the telecast. Christ is the one. Not men. We all may have our favorite man or favorite woman. But who are they? In comparison to Christ. See, Christ can use a donkey. Can he? He can do anything he wants to. And Mr. Meredith said if he were to die the work of God keep going. It will never stop until it is finished. And who will finish the work? Christ. See? But he uses men and women as well, all of us together, to be those lights. And that's why that we all must always speak the same thing. And watch our opinions, quick judgments, see? Maybe not understand certain things. Maybe we don't have all the facts about anything. You're not in a position to make a decision, then you don't want know why that decision is made. The higher you go, the more you see. Like this lady told me, he said, Well, Mr. League, you don't have all the knowledge, you don't have all the truth. 
I said, well, who has the rest of it? If you just tell me who has the rest, I want the truth. See, I don't want error. The truth, see, is what counts. Yet we come to church to hear the truth, the way out of the world, how to change, how to improve, to be a better light. In 1 Corinthians 3, here Paul was speaking to the church he had raised up. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to be babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you're not able to see it. Think about the correction there that Paul was given to the very people he raised up. Spent 18 months there. Tent maker. Said you're carnal. You babes, you can't take the meat. You can't take, you don't, don't want to mature. You want to be a crybaby. You want to choose your own person. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you are not, are not carnal and behaving like mere men. You see? When you just have strife, breaks off, and this and that, aren't they carnal? Isn't that the way the world works? Is that the way God works? If we all speak the same thing, if we're all put in the same body of Christ, see? He's dealing with carnal people, not spiritually minded people. People who had the gifts of God's Holy Spirit. But when one says, I am a Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? See? Now you can draw your own conclusions. I am this, I am that, I, you know. But isn't that carnal thinking, Paul is saying? Is that being physically minded, looking at men instead of Christ? Forgetting the teacher that taught us all how the church is to be set up, the organization, how it should be set up. Then he said, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as, as the Lord gave to each one? Mr. Meredith, I've heard him say at least a hundred times that I taught most of the men at Ambassador College, most of the ministers. He said he taught them. I don't believe, did you ever teach a division, Dr. Meredith? I don't believe he ever taught division. He taught what he was taught. What well, Mr. Armstrong had taught him. So I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither who plants is anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. There again is God in the picture. It's not man, it's God. It's his work. It's his way. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and other bills on it, but let each one, see, take heed. Paul laid the foundation. Paulus had to take heed. He had to be careful what he was teaching. 
not deviate from that foundation, you see. His work would be, would be tried by fire. Mr. Meredith's work will be tried by fire. He has to be careful that he doesn't deviate from what he was taught by Mr. Armstrong, the, the truths of God's church, you know, the truths of the scriptures. That doesn't mean the ministration can't, uh, you know, chime. We're talking about God's, you know, his scriptures and all. And we teach. We're being tried and tested. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the only foundation Paul is getting over here, trying to help the church see. I'm a mere man. God is using. I'm his tool. I'm a nobody. I was chosen. I didn't volunteer. I didn't choose to go to prison. I didn't choose the whippings, you see. But Christ told me that I was going to have to suffer. Because I caused others to suffer. To see what it's like to be persecuted. Like I persecuted people. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, what do you think will last out of these six? What will last? What will endure of the building that's being built on? So if anyone works which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward, see. But he will suffer loss if he hasn't built on that precious. But Christ is the builder. And we are to build on his foundation. The character that we need to live forever. The test that we go through. The patience we develop. The mercy we develop. The forgiveness that we developed. Like Christ. Loving our enemies. Like Christ. Doing good to others like Christ. We're developing that. Becoming more like Him. Now, not as perfect yet, but we're developing that to forgive and help and keep them on the path of life as much as we possibly can in, you know, in those situations. Now, what happens to one if he or she were to forsake the path of life and go back to, back to this world? In Second Peter <clears throat> chapter 20. Second Peter 20, verse 20. Second Peter, verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse, is worse, you see, for them than the beginning. For, if, for it would have been better for them to have never been born. To turn from the holy commandments are known the way of righteousness than having known it and turned from the holy commandments delivered to them. But as it happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns his own vomit. And that's how God looks at the world. And if you were to see your dog eating that, it'd make you sick, wouldn't it? You couldn't stand it. You'd make the dog get away, you know. What's wrong? But that's how God looks at the world. 
We don't look at it like God does, perhaps. And a sow, having washed to her, having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, I don't know if you've ever smelled a pig farm. I lived close to one one time, and when that wind was blowing, you couldn't stand it. So that's the way the world is. That's what happens to a Christian who gets off the path of life. And Paul talked about those who were once enlightened in the book of Hebrews, enlightened on the path of life, and they turn back for us to try to help. And he said it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that's why he said, don't forsake yourselves on the Sabbath. Attend the services on the Sabbath so you can be fed the way of life. Then he goes on and shows that we are not of those who draw back to perdition, to destruction. That God has called us to go forward. We're like an army. Nobody can stop us, you see. If you want to be a part of it, just follow the path of life. And God will bless you in the end with full power, glory, sonship in his kingdom.